0: welcome to the audacious living podcast hosted by my man Audley stevenson the odd man he'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business media sports entertainment and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever so without further ado here is the odd man Greetings and salutations. I'm Wadley Stevenson and uh, thank you for checking out another edition of the Audacious Living Podcast. Of course, this is hands down the most audacious podcast you'll ever find on the internet and I appreciate you taking a time out of your day and choosing it to spend it here with us as we continue our ongoing goal of helping you live your best audacious life ever. As always, I encourage you to connect with us through our social media channels. Uh, You you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle The Audacious Pod. And then if you head over to Facebook, you'll also find us there as The Audacious Living Podcast. And uh, hey, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, then you know that you can uh, simply subscribe to our channel by tapping the notification bell. And that's it, you're connected. So we make it super, super easy and I'd encourage you to to like, follow, subscribe, share, uh, go and tell your neighbor, tell a friend, uh, and uh, we'll keep this good old uh, audacious conversation flowing. Now, uh, we're going to talk about organizational culture on this episode and to understand organizational culture and how to make them more audacious. Uh, the first step is to recognize that they're often shaped by the manner in which the individuals act with an organization. And when I say act, I'm specifically referring to the behaviors that people exhibit, uh, which could include, you know, the beliefs, habits, norms, how they interact with each other. All of these things fall under this category. Essentially, if you think about it, organizations are defined by people's behavior. Now, this is a key concept to understand because when there's a change or shift that needs to be made, it's extremely important to know where and what your starting point should be. And and this is exactly where today's guest comes in absolutely perfectly. Uh, His name is Rich Stevenson, uh, no direct uh, relation, same shared, same last name, but no direct relation. He's an executive coach, a, a leadership consultant, uh, the, who's been in the field for more than twenty years, and uh, he's a senior executive. He's been a senior executive in, in large international, in large companies across the world, in Australia and Asia and the UK. Um, his company, uh, the Culture Shifter, uh, th- and th- through his company, Culture Shifter, he helps uh, leaders recognize the importance of building relationships, uh, that will effectively lead to, uh, be able to manage, motivate, inspire individuals at all levels of the organization. And here's a key point. The process of building relationships often starts with a small act that grows and develops. It sounds simple, but it, there is a lot of work that goes into building the culture of the organization and so uh again i think rich rich is a a perfect uh individual to have this conversation with i'm really really pleased that he's here so without any further ado i'm going to stop talking and give you an opportunity to hear from rich stevenson enjoy get started i don't often get into big long Introduction, if we will. If you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. We'll just get going. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, R- Rich, I, I appreciate you-, you-, you taking time and being here, joining me on the Audacious Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for being here, man.
1: Well, you're welcome, and I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. So it's a- it's it's an absolute
0: pleasure to be here, Audrey. Good, 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 good. So, so maybe just to, to get it out of the way so there's no confusion. Uh, because I know people are gonna say, Hey. They 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 look alike. They got the same last name, but we're not related. Okay, we're not. Let's look at that. So there's no clear no confusion. Okay, yeah. no no blood relation. It's a great name though. I, I I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. Um, Rich, I, I, I really that the work that you do as an executive le- coach for for leaders. Um, and certainly want to dive into that a little bit and understand a little bit about your 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 work, but before we do that i want to sort of talk about you know your background and what got you to the work that you're doing now because i find oftentimes there is a there's something that shifts uh for individuals and and when they when they want to sort of refocus and obviously working with specifically with coaches or coaching leaders rather i would imagine with some kind of shift for you is that is that fair to say
1: oh absolutely um so so i guess something that um i don't say wouldn't say it sets me apart but um a lot of coaches get into coaching for people get into coaching for many different reasons. Sure. Um, I For me, I spent more than thirty years in corporate life, um, and and about twenty of that at sort of senior executive levels in large listed companies and so mm-hmm. on. And uh, I guess the thing that would you know, if I ever thought that there was some calling about it, the thing for me that I always enjoyed was developing people. That's what really um, Really got me out of bed in the morning. You know, I started out as an accountant, and uh, and don't hold that against me. But
0: um, yeah,
1: so I just spent like quite a bit of my career in finance, and then it started to evolve into sort of more comm- commercial roles, and then general management. But the one thing, whilst the roles were different, the one th- one common theme all the way through was was people. It was about working with people, creating opportunities for people, giving people. Um, the the space to grow and and I guess the other part of it was the the feedback as well and you know some of the tougher conversations to yeah, help them grow yeah. as well yeah. and uh, and and I guess that sort of over time that sort of like I, when I moved to Canada and I had a role travellers where I spent a lot of time traveling in remote parts of Canada. And I spent a lot of time sitting in trucks with um, sales reps and so on, hours upon hours. And uh, that was, uh, you know, gave me that an opportunity to get to know people at an even deeper level than yes. I might otherwise. Yes, yeah. and uh, That's, a, that really, really that's
0: a really key point, Rich, in terms of being able to connect with people at that level. You know, mm. they're more than just names on a piece of paper or numbers or stats or whatever. Like, you're having the opportunity to not only just understand them, what they do, but what's important to them, uh, what matters, the, their values even, all of those yeah. things come into play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and often I'd be traveling with people who, that not weren't my direct reports. They might have been another level down or you know, and, and field technicians right. and so on. And and being able to just sit in the front as they're driving. And I, I think people tend to relax more when they're when like they'd they'd be the one driving usually. And yeah, yeah. I, I think that that because they're sort of their mind is partly on the road and then partly just general, you know, general chit chat, I, I think that that tends to be a bit more disarming. So yeah. being sense. in those situations were really really valuable for me uh, so when I sort of I mentioned to you before we sort of got going that I'd sort of had got into um, consulting previously and then found myself self in this role in in Canada and then um, about four years ago uh, decided to part ways and go back into you know into consulting again it was really for me it was just this evolution, especially over the last sort of three years in what consulting, what did, what did consulting right. mean? I right. mean, people, right. a lot of people sort of take a step out of corporate life or, or other occupations and think, well, I'll become a consultant. You know, I'll, I'll use my expertise right. to, um, to motivate people or help with strategic you know issues mm-hmm. or whatever else. Um, but I, I found myself working with an organization which was um, where morale was really low and I'd been brought in to help turn around things right. around and right. it was during that contract which started out as three months and then became six months and before I knew it it was 18 months but it was during that time working with people that uh, I, I had a bit of an epiphany about what I want to be doing and that's right. that was coaching right so that's what got me into coaching and and so then I, 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 I did the research and and did a formal coaching qualification yep. with the ICF, and and so that that's a big part of what I do. It's not all of what I do, mm-hmm. but what I what I am focused on now is is executive coaching and leadership development. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: The, the the piece uh, one of the pieces that you, you touched on that I. I, I instantly connected with the whole idea of you know developing others right and mm. and oftentimes uh, it's awakening what's kind of inside them already or they don't recognize it's in, inside them or don't recognize the value of what's inside them it's oftentimes one of those sort of pieces that and you so you when you're there for the aha moment when you're you know sparking people's eyes that gets really exciting so I'd imagine you see a lot of that yeah yeah and
1: I think that a lot of people um there's some misconceptions about coaching, for example. Okay. Uh, so some people, some people call themselves a coach, but they're probably acting more as a mentor or an advisor because they okay. tend to be giving a lot of advice. Whereas you know, real coaching is is facilitating a journey for your client. It's okay. about helping your client learn more about themselves and okay. and and at the same time to sort of be be present with them. And be aware where you know of certain things the client might say or the way they react in certain situations and and then being not letting them off the hook and starting to explore that more deeply. So holding them accountable. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah is the accountability right. piece, but it's also sometimes they'll they'll start diving into an issue and they want to get out of exploring that issue because it's a little bit, you know, sure. confronting for them. Sure. And sure. and I think that it's really important to be there and be present for them and help them to sort of explore it more in a, in a safe way. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's quite interesting. I can get to an end of a session and people say, well, thanks for all that great advice you gave me. And it's so, <laughs> like, I haven't <laughs> <didn't laughs> given <laughs> any, you <can> have <laughs> just asked it. a few questions. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah. and I, and I think though, going back to sort of, what I, what I touched on earlier, really, you're, Scott, you're unearthing things inside of people that yeah. they already have. And it's more to kind of helping shine a light on that and, you know, letting them sort of uncover the greatness is that is that is that an accurate way of putting it you think yeah absolutely absolutely i you know a lot of people spend a lot of time
1: trying to be like somebody else so you know looking to other people and how they can replicate those you know idols or whatever else you know and they'll put a lot of energy energy in trying to be like somebody else right. rather than starting to explore themselves and understand themselves and and accepting themselves and then striving to be a better version of themselves, not, you
0: know, a, a copy, you know, like, a <laughs> cheap imitation of yeah. somebody else, if you get what yeah. I mean, Yeah, no, yeah. no I do. And, and, and that's a it's a really good point because, and, and, I, and I get it, right? You see a leader you admire, you see someone, you know, a, a style that you can appreciate and that you want to emulate. And I think it's more about what can I take from that and apply to me and use it that works in, you know, in my, because the other thing too is, their, their, their space that they're in is very different than yours. So not yeah. only are they different, their environments are different, the space are different, the people they're leading are different. So there's all these factors that make it so that you can't be them, but that doesn't yeah. mean you can't take from them.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and all you're seeing is the image that they project as well. All right. It, so you could spend, there's a big risk in trying to emulate somebody who right. seems really happy, but is actually miserable. <laughs> that's all right. right. That's right. Um, you know, all has their own challenges, right? And 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 so I think that that's it, it's it's interesting helping like and working with people to help them explore the things that they like about themselves rather than you know things that they don't. And that's you know that's that's right. probably a big when when those shifts start to happen, that's a really beautiful. You know, experience working working with clients or working, you know, as a leader in in different situations as well. I think that um, it's there's a lot of fun in helping people to discover things about themselves and make those realizations and and, and to be acknowledged as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. you know, one of the things that come to mind is that, you know, we are enough, right? We have what we need. We just got to figure out how to make it work for us. And and yeah. again, we can look to all the other people all we want, but if they don't have what we need, they don't have our skills. So again, all, there's all these other factors that make it, it, it the, like the comparisons to apples and oranges. Yeah, and that's where we have to be careful, because I think what happens and I'll get your thoughts on this, Rich, where you spend so much time trying to be like someone else. That is not you. It comes across inauthentic and you can't mm-hmm. maintain it.
1: Absolutely. It's very difficult to maintain. I totally agree. And, and you're right. It does come across as inauthentic. And that's you know, a big focus of you know, the work that I've been doing. And you know, I'm, not a, um, I'm not an academic, but I've been doing a lot of research, but it's more researching academic work around different a- a aspects and elements of leadership, you know, as much to just educate myself, but as well as that, to start to share some of those thoughts, you know, as I do, you know, through Instagram or through LinkedIn with my, my posts there as well. It's, you know, what I'm posting is actually a, a synthesization, if that's the right word, uh, you It'll know, of, of ideas that I've, you know, that I've been reading of and, and yeah, you know, a lot there's a lot of work around um around authenticity and happiness yeah. as well. A yeah. lot of work out there that that's you know really accessible and, and easy to read and 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 get your head around. And um I yeah, I, I think the big thing is when you when you're not coming from within yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's very difficult to be authentic because. Right you're not you're not representing yourself you're, you're representing what you think right are attributes of somebody else um so it, it, of course it's going to come across as in, inauthentic and you know we, we hear more and more about that now and i think that i guess in some ways with social media where it's at now um, oh yeah which i didn't grow up with at <laughs> all right oh, i hear you i had to learn it too long time ago
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so uh when I started my working life they, we didn't even have mobile phones so uh, yeah I I I really think that there's a lot of pressure nowadays on people you know to portray themselves as happy and to portray themselves right. as successful and right. and without actually thinking what success what success is to them and what success really looks like for them so right. it's you know there's the, the, all this pressure to portray this you know successful happy life and right. and so through that there's so much emulation of what other people are doing you know yes. that oh the, you know especially with some of the big influences, you know with, yeah. with oh, that yeah. person that person's traveling the world having photos of themselves by swimming pools and that's obviously well, like, you know success right, so that's right. the life i'm going to have is i want to have my photo taken next to you know seventy five swimming pools and so on, right? Rather than well, what actually makes me happy is that what I want to be doing. So probably yeah. you know maybe I don't. Yeah. Maybe maybe I want to be you know bushwalking or you know. Yeah riding a motorbike or doing something that that makes me happy you know yep. it's hard yeah. to take a photo of yourself when you're riding a motorbike but
0: um you know, some people do right. I, I just, yeah. wait, right but you do raise a, a really really good point rich in terms of what we emulate and what we see as opposed to mm-hmm working on you know our, our own sort of personal leadership style right like we all have our style because it's, it's akin to who we are uh, there yeah. isn't just one type of leader anymore maybe the world of work was such where you're either this type of leader or that kind of leader but that those those sort of models and they've all broken down that's not the case anymore
1: yeah I you could not be 100 percent more correct but <laughs> I, I, I think that when when you think about um, you know, the, I, I posted uh, and I've, I've read a few, you know, a bit of research about MBAs, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have one, you know, okay. so. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, and I, I got my MBA quite a long time ago, but there really was not a lot of leadership education. Right. Um, as part of an MBA. And, and I don't have the impression that that has changed a lot. So the the focus tends to be more organisational rather than on the individual. Right. Um, and 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 as you say that you know the sort of I guess the archetypal leadership models was you know and like people talk about situational leadership, situational right. leadership, and adapting your leadership style to mm-hmm. different situations. Yeah, I buy into that a bit. Um, I, I think that you know the the challenge with um, with people growing up in you know in in sort of business today and starting out today is that there's just again so much noise about you know what you should you know what's okay right. and what's not and right. and it's it's a pretty tough you know road to tread and so people just tend to model themselves on who they see being successful right in the workplace right, right? that 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 behavior has got this person ahead so therefore I shall model that, but that's not always the right behavior to be modeling, you right. know, especially if they're a tyrant, you know, or well, whatever no. else. So, yep. you know, I think that it's, yeah, it's, it's without that sort of like help and developing, especially I'm going to say, you know, people in from their sort of late twenties through to even their early forties, like mm-hmm. that, that period of time as a leader and, and leader takes a lot of different forms as well. Yes, that, yes. that, that period of time is incredibly formative and you can do a lot of damage to yourself yes. by just focusing on modeling yeah. what other people are doing rather than understanding the type of leader that you
0: really are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I guess that's exactly it. And, and the, the whole idea of, of recognizing w- where you stand, uh, yeah. because I think, I think once you're able to do that and understand you and that whole, and that's a whole piece around self-awareness, right, Rich? So once yeah. you're able to develop that own self-awareness, then you can figure out how you can best you know motivate inspire get the best out of the people around you right but yeah. you've got to figure you out first that's a big part of you it you do absolutely and it's all of it
1: it's about mm. being aware of all of it um what you know i guess you know the everybody's got prejudices right sure. it's it's a function of you know the community you were brought up in um Your 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 family's political views, you know, you know, I guess, and your religious beliefs are a whole range of things that 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 create prejudices. And everybody's got prejudices, right? Yeah, right. And it's not like you should then, you know, go jump off a cliff because you become aware of these prejudices. It's about being conscious and aware of them because they are so they they can inform. The way that you respond to situations and and once you have that awareness it, you, and and have that thought process you can then step back and 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 say well you know hang on a second why am i thinking you know right this situation why am i assuming this about this person for example um, and and being conscious that oh that's that's coming from the prejudices of, of, you know of my background yeah. or, you know yeah. or whatever else and uh, and so it's very important that I'm aware of it, and then think again, what's really going on in this situation? Yeah, right? yeah, that okay. That, what's going on for this person right, right. Now in front of me? Right. So and then how can I help them?
0: Mm. Yeah, that 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 introspection piece is a big one, right? To be able mm. to ask those questions, to be able to. Yeah challenge your own beliefs i mean these prejudices that we have some may be from our upbringing that's how we were raised and that's how we know and all of a sudden i'm questioning that and i'm going wait a second everything i knew was wrong (laughs) right that's right it's it's and breaking that down is it it can be really tough yeah you know
1: and and but it's not just it's not just prejudices as well it's it's also about being aware of your strengths and weaknesses Gotcha. Um, and Playing to your strengths, but also being conscious that, you know, and and I talk a lot about vulnerability as well. It's that sort of knowing, knowing where people, other people are stronger at things than you, and then surrounding yourself with those people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. The best leaders are often the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and it's it, it's it's really important to sort of have that, you know, that consciousness that, okay. I'm actually not very good at making this type of decision. So I'm yes. gonna go and get some advice and and ask other people how they would respond in that situation.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was also yeah. thinking as you said that sometimes the worst leaders are also the dumbest ones in the room too, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <It happens. laughs> yep. Yeah, but but they're the ones who don't realize they're the dumbest one in the room. <laughs> That's right. They don't have that introspection piece we just talked about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was uh, just as an aside, I was
1: um, reading a book by Austin Cleon and, uh-huh. uh, and, and he talks about, um, he talks about, you know, especially if you like from a creativity perspective, but you can apply this in many aspects of your life. If you walk into a room, when you walk into a room, find the brightest person in the room and go and stand beside them. Okay. okay. And then start to, and then start to discover what you can learn from them.
0: All right. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. right? That and if you walk sense. into a room and you find that you're the brightest person in the room, it's time to find another room. <laughs> right? in The wrong room. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, you never, you never smart enough, you, you know, you never have, have nothing to learn. That's right. right.
0: Always something to learn. And and, and, and you know, a, a key around that, and you just touched on, you know, the V word, the vulnerability, that, that's a really big part of that, because you need mm. to lay down, you know, release that guard, if you will, put it down, put it to the side uh, and say, yeah, hey, I don't know everything. And for some people, that's difficult because as a leader, I should know I should yeah. have all the answers. People should come to me and I, you know, solve all the solutions of the world, but I can't do that and still be vulnerable at the same time. So it's like, well, one or the other. Yeah. That's a really
1: really great point um, and and probably one of the most confronting you know with my um, executive clients is is that letting go of the fact that they need to know all the answers is really hard really really difficult yeah. um, and 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 the vulnerability piece is is a really um, vital part of that and I often the um, often people sort of misinterpret um, vulnerability and what that is—it right? doesn't mean turning into a blubbering mess in you know in meetings, or you know it might happen at some point, right? right. But it's that's not what vulnerability is about. Right. You know, vulnerability is, is really about um, that willingness to, well, for me anyway, the willingness to not be right, the willing, you know, that that understanding that I don't have all the answers, and then the courage to go and you know, seek out those answers from other people. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no, it, it is. That is a big one. And I think the more you're, and actually it's interesting because I think for those that are comfortable with being vulnerable, that actually shows there's a strength involved with that. Right. Yeah. It's Okay. And, and, and there's a, it's, it is a true sign of strength, but I don't think people always catch that. No, no, that's right. You know, and, and it's, and it's
1: hard again because especially if you sort of, I've been operating in a tough corporate culture where, you know, people sort of walk in and they've all, they've all got their sort of armor on, yep. you know, walking into, you know, walking into work every day or even outside of work as well, because it starts to permeate into their personal life often as well. Right. Um, I think that that, that really makes it difficult, you know, working in that sort of environment to think that it's okay Right. to let your guard down a bit it's okay to let people see who you really are got you got you it's true you know and 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 i'd say myself i you know i i know that you know in the past i've probably been a little bit left field as a as a manager and a leader and okay. the way that i operated and it's probably uh it's probably ticked a few people off like at more senior levels definitely has on a few occasions. And I I guess I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, Rich. What, 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 what you do? (laughs) Nothing in particular, just my style. Um, And, and just, you know, being more, I guess I've got a, quite a familiar leadership style. Right. So I'll get to know people well. um, Yeah. Yeah. And, and not be one who I'm just not that sort of command and control type. It's right. not, you yeah.
0: know, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, except at home, right? In the kitchen. Yeah. Apart from that, gotta be somewhere. Really <laughs> Command and control type. Um, and, but, but there would be sometimes be expectations that that's the way leaders should operate. Right. Yes. So you could be viewed as soft. Right. Right. And it's, it's, it's not soft. It's, it takes a bit of courage to be that way. I guess the where I was going with this is the one caveat of this, of all of it is that you know get to know yourself and mm. and be prepared to express, express yourself but you don't let have to let people see all of you gotcha. right it's good point it's really important to be conscious of the fact that unless you are in working in an organization full of these incredibly enlightened self-aware you know, vulnerable leaders who, uh, you know, uh, embrace the uniqueness of every person in the organisation. Unless that's the case, it's really important to be aware of the things we spoke about before, That, you know, pe- people's prejudices yes. and, you know, the, the way they might view you, um, the lens they might look at you through, how they might, how might they might interpret Um, the way that you act in the workplace yes and what that means about you as as a leader and as a person so it's it's important to be have that consciousness and awareness yeah that if there's you know if you've got an absolute psychopath you know of a boss then it's just important to be aware that you're not going to be able to change that person and you probably you know at some point you should probably leave right Right.
0: Right. 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 Or
1: you write it out and hope that they leave. <laughs> One, right? of the <laughs> One of the two. Right? One of the two.
0: Test the wills.
1: Yeah. But in, in the meantime, it's, it's really important to be aware, have that awareness of what's going on with other people as yes. well. Yeah. Yes. You know, yes. It's like that they're not necessarily going to receive all of that, all of you in the way that you might hope that they would. So it's, gotcha. it's just, I'm not saying, put that suit on you know the armor i am just saying be yourself right but also be a, aware of how i guess it's do you put the set the volume on 10 or do you dial it back to five Got and you. still be yourself and just you know it's important to protect yourself a bit yep. as well like don't
0: don't lay yourself out there too
1: much yeah and yeah. and save the save the sort of nine or ten for when you're with your buddies. Right. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. It, I think there's a there's a time and place for everything, and uh, really establishing boundaries is a really important thing too as as a leader. Yeah. Because I think once you're able to do that, uh, and and, and you're, you're you're firm within yourself, then you can actually work with people to the point, and you're accepting them for where they are too. So I think that's yeah. another important part where you're, you're you're sort of meeting people where they're at, and then you can really be have that sort of dynamic working relationship at that point. Yeah. You're both Because you're both being your true selves
1: yeah yeah absolutely and and really i and and here's the here's the i guess the crux of it you can't necessarily change you know if you're sitting a few layers down in the organization
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you as an individual can't change the entire organization Right. right right okay you just can't do that right but you can change the culture in your part of the organization and if you focus at the local level you know something i call guerrilla leadership it's like if you focus at the local level how do i you know how do i make a difference in the team that i work in yeah right how do how do i make a difference for my direct reports if i'm leading a team if i'm not leading a team an individual contributor or something like that how how what can i do to start to shift the culture of the organization just a little bit, just the organ- right. the part of the organization I'm in that, that, you know, and as a result start to, you know, every day when I come to work, it's that little bit better and I enjoy yes. coming to work and working with the people that I work with. There are still things you can do yes. in that regard. And, and again, it comes down to putting your trust in the people around you and,
0: and being trustworthy. Right. Um, you you made another really really good point around shifting the culture and i want to touch on that because uh you know oftentimes you know there's a belief that you know it can change the whole world and 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 you can't so we each all have our our own sphere of influence and in that circle or in that sphere if you will uh that's where it starts and 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 it's sort of you know it's sort of like a a ripple effect right it goes outwards but it starts with where you're at the, you know, so I got Rich in front of me, and so I'm going to start with Rich, and then Rich, I'm going to go to Mary, and then Mary, I'm going to go to Tom, and and that's how yeah. it evolves and grows. And I think that's a really important point because shifting culture—I know that's a, sort of the name of your brand, Culture Shifter. Uh, yeah. it, it starts with those little small steps. Yeah, it does absolutely.
1: It's like being the butterfly in the Amazon. Mm. Really, you know what? You know how? What can you do to start to make a difference? And it doesn't need to be big. Um, Reaching out to somebody on your team who who you know might be very quiet, probably could do with some help every now and again. Is just going to offer the help and you know ask them if they need any help anyway, rather than offering up advice. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'm going to help you right now because you need my help.
1: That's right. (laughs) You look like you need some help, and
0: yeah, (laughs) so
1: I think it's really it really is um, about how you can start to to shape your leadership style even with the way that you are with your peers, right? And and if you do have a team and you've got a small team, like how, you know, how can you make a difference each day? How what can you do to build trust amongst your team trust and start that exploring one. that? And it's it's as you say, it's all those small little incremental yeah. things. You know, it takes time. It takes time to to build trust and right. and you know and and as well as that, as long as it takes to build it, right, you can kill it. In about two seconds wow. flat, Isn't that incredible. Right. That's incredible. So, when you think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really it's it it's a continual. It's a continual effort. You can't just build trust and then just assume that it stays that way. It's like it's like a marriage, you know. You it's yes. it's important to work on it every day, right? Yes. It's the, yes. these things. It's when you don't. Things start to fall apart, and people don't speak to each other, and people right. start to then yep. right know yep. each other and everything else. So it's yep. it's really about that sort of ensuring that you know what you're doing is improving the space around you just a little bit.
0: Yeah. So, so, so we, we sort of talked about authenticity and I would imagine that's an important aspect when you're trying to shift culture because you've got to be real. Uh, certainly trust is another really good point as well. Uh, is, is there another sort of key element or trait that you can identify that important for leaders to be able to embrace or use when they try to make these, you know, these little shifts, but get ultimately these big shifts.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to say compassion. Gotcha. Right. And, um, there's a lot of talk about empathy. Right. And it's important to, you know, understand the difference. E- empathy is, uh, you know, is very much focused on what's going on for one individual, or maybe a few individuals. Right. right? Um, but it's difficult to be empathic towards everybody in the world at the same time. It's just, it's just not possible, but compassion is, a, is slightly different. Compassion is, having an awareness of what's going on for people, right, but not necessarily feeling what's going on for them. Right. Um, and, and the reason I say that I'm making that distinction is that the compassion can, will allow you to make the tough decisions when you need to as yes. well. So it's, it's being aware that a decision has to be made and it could be a very tough decision. All right. Um, to save an organization, from bankruptcy, you may have to actually let a portion of people go. Now, compassion is knowing that you're about to have a very negative effect right. on, on you know, it could be say 10% of the workforce in these large organizations, could be, mm-hmm. you know, that, that could be 3,000 people that mm-hmm. are getting let go. Yep. And we've yep. seen and things like that in the auto industry. Fa- pre- right. Pre- and
0: their families and they yeah. want to connect them are impacted for sure. Yeah.
1: It's all of that. So, but it, it, it's that awareness that, if we don't make this decision, the con- companies continue to spiral downwards and we're yeah. going to affect 30,000 people's lives, not 3,000 people's lives. So it's it's being like, where's the compassion start and stop? Are you mm-hmm. thinking about the 27,000 other people who are going to stay in the organization or the 3,000? It's probably, it's like taking a bit of an extreme, but I, there are people, you know, who've had to make decisions like that. Um, I um. You know I, somebody I would love to have worked with would be um, Alan Mullally, who turned Ford around um, and before that um, Boeing after 9 eleven. Mm. Um, and he had to make a lot of tough decisions, but at the right. same time he was a guy that would go and sit in the um, in the regular cafeteria and have lunch with whoever was was sitting there. Um, right. So you know he he was, again, making tough decisions. But sometimes, like when you think about empathy, that decision could get tied up by two or three people that you know amongst that 3,000 people who are going to be affected. Gotcha. And that can really affect, you know, have an impact on the decision you're going to make rather than thinking about the broader organization. So don't want it to be a really negative thing when oh, I talk, I what I'm talking about because yep. these things happen. But I guess my point is the, the compassion is really, you know, for me about having that awareness. Of what's going on for other people. Yes. um, And and being sensitive to what's going on for them at any point in time. Um, So when you've got a team, you know, you might somebody who you know they're going through, you know, a married, you know, marital breakdown or some sort of issue, or somebody's got a sick child, or you know, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of things like that. It's it's being aware of what's going on for them and making some accommodations for how they might be um how might they might be behaving or or performing at work is probably a better way to put it right um and at the same time being able to sit down with them and say look i understand you're going through this challenge Mm -hmm. what can what can i do or what can the organization do to help right yeah Yeah. if the person says they need time then give them time off or you know it's it's whatever else but it's it's about being aware of what's going on for them. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to feel what's going on for them. It's about being aware, and then asking how you can help.
0: Yeah. What What's fascinating, and when you sort of talk about compassion or even the trust, the empathy, uh, you know, the authenticity, mm-hmm. all those things, I think when you say those words, people know exactly what they are. They can identify with them, but to put them in practice in the business context, context seems to be the the the, the disconnect, if you will.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's that not coming across as too soft kind of thing. Right. (laughs) I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Personally. Um, But again, you know, it's, it's important to be aware of the broader culture of the organization. Right. And (laughs) not stick your head up out of the hole, you know, too often, you know, if it's a tough, if it's a tough organization, or you could be in a, you know, working in a really great culture. Yeah. And if you are, then stay there.
0: <laughs> I, I, I heard a quote by um, uh, Jack Welch that comes to mind now when he said the, 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 the stuff, the soft stuff is the hard stuff. And I think yeah. that very much is a lie. What we're talking about here. Like it does yeah. definitely take work to do the things that we're talking about. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And Simon Sinek's been talking a lot about that recently. Right? you know, this whole concept of soft skills, you know, and you know, and, and Richard Branson has talked about that in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and he's made some mistakes, but sure. he's been, you know, he's been big enough to come out and say he's made mistakes and, 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 and own them and apologize where he has. But, um, I, I think it's that, you know, that awareness that none of us are perfect and we're going to make some mistakes. Yes. Right. Yes. We are going to make mistakes. And, uh, and it's, it's more how you respond to those. And, and as you say, the soft skills aren't soft skills, right? right. <laughs> the people skills are hard, yes. right? Yeah, it's, right? It's 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 takes a lot of work and a lot of self-reflection and self-awareness and being mindful of what's going on for yourself and, and for, you know, what's going on around you as well. Yeah. Like mindfulness piece, it's like put the phone down. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and be, be here and present. present right
0: yeah be present be with present. yeah absolutely absolutely we we yeah. talk about turning off our phones on the yeah. part of here like we got to be present so I get it loud and clear and you're right yeah. I agree um, I, I, I just want to go back to this shifting of culture thing because because rich yeah. it's 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 tough and this is your playground so I'm glad we're, we're on yeah. this topic it it's it's it's' I get wondering about the time frame of, of process, like how long can it take to, you know, change an organizational culture we're talking about? Like, is it a matter of, of, of necessarily changing the people because people will make up organizations or, yeah. or, or is, it, is it deeper than that? I
1: think, well, first of all, I talked about those small incremental changes deep down in the organization. If you want to change the entire organization's culture, yep. it's got to happen at the top. It can't yeah. happen anywhere else. You know, it's not you. You're not going to get this groundswell happen anywhere near fast enough, grassroots level, to, to change an organisation. Right. Um, so, it, at the end of the day, it does come at the top, and sometimes um, it could be, you know, the realization from a, a leader that you know there are certain things about their style that create is creating the culture. It could be the way that their team is together but it has to happen at the top executive team level. Yep. And, and that really, first of all, has to start with, you know, self-awareness for them amongst themselves and that yep. awareness, consciousness of how they operate as a team and how that is perceived right. below them as well. So right. yeah, I, it's got to start at the top and it's not, a, it's not like a three month thing. It takes a long time. Mm. Um especially where you've got legacy issues i i, I went and worked in um yeah. with an organization a, a couple of years ago and um the it was a unionized workforce and yep. and um i'm going to say a cynical management team okay right uh mm-hmm. not all of them not all of the managers but some cynic. i'm going to say some cynicism towards the union so you've got Unions that are there to protect workers' rights and interests. Right. And then you've got, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the the management team that often, you know, have their own concerns about the inflexibility that that can cause for them. And so then you get to create an environment where it's almost constantly at war, right? This constant distrust of management. And the only way that you could start to break through that is to actually start, you know, you've got to park that belief at the door. So yeah. sometimes it, like, you know, if you want to start shifting the culture of the organization, first thing to do is step back and say, well, and, and I talked about prejudices. What are the organizational prejudices that exist? Right. 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 You know, what is, what is the stance that the organization takes towards the unionized workforce? Right. Yeah. And what assumptions are the unionized workforce making about the, you know, what I'm going to call management, right? Right. Right. And so, you know, I I had situations that where, you know, we had, um, we had sort of um, workers who were earning significantly more than the supervisors that were overseeing their work, right? Wow. Wow. Because of the terms of the agreements and everything else, but probably a lack of awareness of that fact. Um, amongst the uh, amongst the unionised workers, so you start to get all these misperceptions that need to be broken down. And, and mm. you know, I was I worked in that organisation for eighteen months. I'd say it took about twelve months okay. to start process. to build trust, enough trust, wow. to get some real willingness to work together. And mm. and I'm really pleased to say that you know there there are some leaders there that that I, I coached into the roles and they were promoted, been a pro, promoted a few times and they're still maintaining that um, cooperative work together mindset. Yes. Right. Yes. And they're asking lead hands, right. How they would deal with a particular challenge rather than just saying, we need you to increase productivity by fifteen percent. It's like, well, right. what do you think we could do to increase productivity by fifteen percent? It's a different question, right? Almost. It's a different statement,
0: yeah. right there. Yeah, it's a question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one's a statement. Well, well yeah. one's an order, right? Yeah. <laughs> the other one's a question because it's showing yeah. us 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 doing it together. We.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, this was an organisation of three hundred and fifty people. Sure. Right? It's not a not a massive organisation. Right. You you be trying to change the culture of some of the, you know large auto work, you know, automobile manufacturers or whatever else. And I know some of them have got like what Alan Malley did at, at Ford, that took a long time. That wasn't an overnight thing. I mean he made some pretty, you know, fast inroads early on, but it was that was a long project for him to yeah. really turn not just Ford around, but transform the industry.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. And and so it, it like to be thinking that big. It takes some special individuals and, and again, needs to happen from the top. And it's, yeah,
0: yeah, it's, it's not a quick fix. Really not. I think that's a really good example. I mean, you know, he Mm -hmm. came in to change his company and revolutionize the industry, uh, you know, and that's, 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 that's outstanding really. And I, as you, as you mentioned, it does take that kind of vision to be able to see where we collectively globally can go. And so, yeah, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. You know, you know, you know, Rich, you, you, uh, I want to touch upon your, sort of your experience internationally as, as working as executive yeah. leadership coach, uh, and, and just wondering, uh, uh, are, are there any differences when you sort of look at what countries, different countries operate from a leadership standpoint? Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are there, are there, cause I would say you have that sort of yeah. unique perspective where you've been exposed to different types of leaders in different kinds of countries, different situations. Are they all the same thing we're talking about here or are there some uniquenesses? I, I think you still get you do get cultural differences yep. um
1: so you know I, I definitely you know an organization i worked in you know i was you know i was in canada but the, you know you've got people from all over the world and you have people from different parts of the world in, right. in leadership positions and their their styles can be very different very very different so you know i've been exposed to you know autocratic individuals and then and I got to be careful when I say this, what I'm going to say is like, first of all, that having, you know, if you've had haven't had a lot of experience with somebody from a particular country, the fact that they might be a psychopath does not mean that everybody from that country is a psychopath. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> so i got going to be careful about what I say. I just but, Right. So, but, but the, you can sort of come to that sort of conclusion that, that, you know, that's, you know, maybe they're all like that, you know, in, south america or wherever else right i I think it's important to sort of be conscious of some um differences in the way different countries are and i'm going to use canada and australia as a, Mm a really great example um really fantastic example because you know two countries with with ties back to to britain yeah um and you know for established through colonization very simple single similar legal systems and so on um some some differences as well like canada's some of canada being the way it is is part of like you know colonial north america and you know there is there is a tie to that whole um settlement of of the americas yeah okay um but there is are some real differences between Australians and, and, and Canadians, and Australians can come across as quite quite brash. Got gotcha. you. Um, and basically, we'll call a spade a spade, right? Right, rather than argue whether it's a shovel or a spade. Right. Okay. Right. So, um, I think that you know that Canadians will be a lot more polite, right? Yes. Okay. So they might describe the spade as like you know an inch, a, a, a tool that you would you know use to right. open the ground, and you should really make sure that there's nobody you know you're not going to hurt anybody in the process or whatever else. I'm, I'm yeah, exaggerating. Yeah. No, no, I okay? point, no, I get your point. I get your point. <laughs> so, nobody <laughs> attack me in the street but I walk down the <laughs> You'll be fine. Now I I just I accept accept when they get on the ice, right? And that's a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, behind the wheel on the 401 <laughs> but apart from that like there, there are some real differences in the way that that I, I've noticed businesses done in in Canada than in Australia a lot you know much more polite and um, you know Australians would just tend to get to the point a lot faster um, and and that can and that can I guess that can annoy people you know if if they're not aware that's just the way Australians are you put a bunch of Australians in the room together they wouldn't think that they were being brash or obnoxious at all but for me sitting from afar I could see now how Australians would be be, you know perceived so yeah culture you know there are big differences I think in in culture even between organizations in in Canada and Australia and yet you look you know we call canadians australians on ice like there's there are a lot of similarities similar sense of humor and so on but Got you. just uh more measured and considerate in canada than
0: than in australia gotcha yeah. you. gotcha you. so mm-hmm. um uh and and, and uh, rich has been a great chat i really appreciate you, you being here and i want to ask you one last question or tie this piece up here uh uh do, do, do the tactics then change uh when we talk about again going back to sort of shifting cultures uh you know depending on so we just you just gave the example between australia and canada as an example two different countries do the approach their tactics need to be changed when you're shifting these cultures and these countries
1: yeah um yeah a little bit and as i said like uh for me when i arrived here I'd, i'd 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 worked and lived in uh the uk for five years early on in my career yep uh, and then a lot of time in Australia, even though I, I did travel a lot, but I was working for Australian organisations. Um, when I moved here, I, it, it really it probably took me about six months to really adapt my uh, style and just Wait. be co- be conscious and aware that you can't speak to a Canadian in the same way as an Australian. They might actually think you, you, you're rude. It could come across the wrong way. So, yeah, I think that they're absolutely there are differences in approach based on communication styles and and, and culture as well you know um well your I, audience knowing your audience i guess <laughs> yeah i also don't think anybody understood a word i was saying for like <laughs> the first year or two <laughs> but um yeah i it, really it's uh it, it it's about being subtle you know having that subtle awareness of 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 people's differences. And I, I, you know, I know from my, my own experience, I hadn't appreciated that enough when I first arrived and it, it took me a little while to actually understand, you know, how I needed to behave differently, how I needed to communicate and or adjust my mm-hmm. communication gotcha. to,
0: to, to hit the point, right. Yep. And to, to yep. touch people,
1: you know, in, in a different way.
0: Yeah. Well, well, Rich, I think the whole, again, I, 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 I why absolutely I wanted to have this conversation with you is just the whole idea of shifting cultures and shifting yeah. shifting the frame of way of thinking way of doing things and so that involves a whole layer of self-analyzation introspection some honesty a yeah. whole bunch of things before though you know the, the, these aspects of change can be brought about so I really do appreciate uh y- y- sharing some of those insights uh, uh again I think there's a lot of good stuff to be taken from that uh, f- for our listeners and viewers who want to know more more about you, the work that you do. Where, where, where can we set them, Rich? You can go to cultureshifter.ca,
1: uh, or you can find me on Instagram if you want to see some of the stuff that I share there. Yeah, it's uh, at cultureshifter. Awesome. Yeah, or, awesome. You go, or you can go to richstevenson.ca, but it's the same website as cultureshifter. Just gotcha. different URL.
0: Yeah, gotcha. yeah. it got. You got. You got to make sure you understand that the Stevenson name is living strong and doing good work. That's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rich, listen, again, like I said, I appreciate you doing this. This has been awesome. And be well, my friend. You too. it's great to meet you. you. And great discussion. Awesome. back we are here on the podcast and uh, my thanks and appreciation goes out to rich uh certainly for the insightful conversation when we when we talk about culture and i really appreciate hearing about some of the things that we can do to influence culture and and, and you know what needs to happen for their uh, for a shift to be made uh i think the conversation was great and i think people are really going to walk away uh some with some good insights Um, you know, speaking of walk away, rich certainly left us with a lot to think about, but if there is just one thing that I would take from our conversation, it would be this. There's no question that culture is important and it matters because it can have a direct impact on our general health and our day-to-day lives and of our organizations. When things become difficult or challenging. That's when leaders need to step in and figure out how to bring change to shift the culture. But there's a piece in this that's very, very important that we shouldn't lose sight of. An established culture is formed by a series of habits. Habits at an individual, team, and organizational level. Shifting the culture of an organization means that recognizing that the habits of those three individuals that get those three levels, the individual team and organization, make a difference no matter how small they appear to be. If you're looking to make your organizations more audacious, look at the small habits and things that can be changed first. Hey, listen, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, I'd certainly encourage you that you do so by heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com. All you've got to do is enter in your email address and you will immediately be alerted every time we got brand new content that comes out. Uh, we've reached the end uh, of another episode of the, the podcast, and really, really appreciate our, our listeners. Uh, and as always, got to send send my thanks for their ongoing support. It's so much appreciated. And uh, again, I encourage you uh, to keep this this audacious train moving, and we will do our part as well. So again, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.